Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you are wondering how do you become a SOC analyst or a threat analyst, this is the episode for you. If you are someone who's probably thinking of helping someone on how to become a SOC or threat analyst, this is the episode for you. In this episode, we had interviewed Day from Cyberbox Academy. He is a full-time threat analyst who has documented his journey from the point when he didn't have a certification to now where he is certified, not just in AWS, not just in Azure, not just in your Splunk of the world or the seams of the world. He is there to share in his information about his journey, about how he got into the field and how he can help others get into this field as well. Some of the conversations we covered included what kind of interview questions you can expect, what does a day look like in a job for a SOC analyst or a threat analyst, and whether just certification is enough. So all that and a lot more in this episode. If you enjoyed this free episode of Cloud Security Podcast, we would really appreciate if you like and subscribe to our social media channels, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us get the word out. I would really appreciate if you can please drop us a review or a rating. It lets the future guests know that why they should come onto this podcast and give you some valuable information. All right, I'll let you get into the episode. Otherwise, I will see you on our weekend episode where we will be talking about application security engineer and application security analyst. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you over the weekend. See ya. Time is the enemy of security and that's where Exonius comes in. Exonius helps organizations immediately know what assets they have and shows which devices, cloud instances and users adhere to or deviate from security policies. Learn more and try it for free at exonius.com. How do you get your cloud security news without scouring the internet for hours? I normally just head to cloud security news to get my weekly update on what's most popular in the cloud security world. If you are interested in this, check out Cloud Security News on all popular podcast platforms or on www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv. For people who may not know who Jay is, can you tell us a bit about yourself, man? Yeah, my name is Abyssal Dayspring Johnson, by Julie Go By Day, and I am a cyber threat analyst. I'm also a college student as well as a content creator on YouTube. I also post content on Instagram and Twitter as well. So yeah, that's that's a brief summary about me. Wow, you, you definitely get pretty brief, man. But I was going to yeah. ask, in, in terms of, what's your path in cybersecurity, man? Yeah, so I got into cybersecurity through an internship. So I started as a, a cybersecurity analyst intern, like right after my freshman year of college, which was last year. I was in that internship for about uh, six, seven months. And then from there, I became a SOC analyst, which was a couple of months, three, four months. And then I transitioned over to my current threat analyst role which I've been at for about three months now. So that's kind of like a brief summary of my journey. We're talking about threat analyst skills today. And for people who may not even know what threat analyst is or what kind of a role that is, mm-hmm. what, what does a threat analyst do? So a threat analyst, you know, can be so many things. It can be like a, it could generally be a security analyst. It could be a SOC analyst if you're working in the SOC. But currently for me as a threat analyst, my, my, my role entails, you know, detecting, analyzing, and remediating threats for um, my organization or for the client I'm working with. So it involves so many things. So I could be, you know, detecting, looking through logs, looking through antivirus software, EDRs, analyzing phishing emails, and analyzing authentication activities, just everything that is a form of threat to the organization I'm assigned to. That's what I'm 
going to be doing uh, every single day. You mentioned you had some SOC experience before as well. How is that different from SOC again? So, I mean, like it, it, it's the way my current organization is moving. They're moving towards something called an advanced fusion center. So it's a little different from like how the SOC works. I mean, it's it's kind of almost the same thing, but it's uh, more so having a a really, really um, combination between the the SOC team as well as the team from the other organization. So there's a lot of like collaboration compared to a SOC where it might just be like the SOC is simply focused on just the organization, but we're uh, working together with the other organization with their security team as well. So it's a really, it's a lot of, a lot more collaboration. It's like the, like the name says, it's fusion between multiple teams. So yeah, that's kind of the difference. Why is SOC important for a company? The SOC is a security operations center. So that's like, you know, it's a center specifically for security. So a SOC is, you know, mainly focused on the security aspect of the organization, right? So for example, like, you know, software people can be working on software and all that stuff and they don't necessarily have like a specific like group for them but because like security is like so important for the organization and security covers so many things so like the suck has to be it's it's it might have its own specific team have its own specific room or specific you know building for 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 that specific activity because it's so much stuff that the suck has to cover right so you're covering the entirety of the organization you're monitoring security and some socks have like a lot of layers so you have the first layer which is just like detecting you know just like monitoring for for threats like if you see anything that is an anomaly like and you analyze it and you think it's a threat you can you can escalate to the next level which may be a tier two be might be a incident responder right so incident responder if there's something that is you know you know malicious can probably escalate to like a digital forensics you know, analyst so it might have different layers depending on the, the the level of you know the threat or whatever is you know coming in so the reason why it's really important is because like a lot of times organization might have their own, you know, in-house cybersecurity team, but they might not have enough enough infrastructure or the enough manpower to to have enough oversight over their entire security structure. So a lot of times organizations usually outsource to like MSSPs for that SOC oversight for the organization. So it's really, really, really important because having that just like a, a specific and dedicated team or dedicated small organization in your company or outside of your company just for security is, is going to really help in terms of like offloading the work of your internal security team or offloading the work of your IT staff. So that's really what really makes the stock important. How easy is it to get in? Because I imagine we have a lot of people over here who are probably starting off for the, for the first time in cybersecurity. And one of the things that comes up quite often is SOC analyst. And I kind of feel from what I'm hearing, SOC analyst and threat analyst probably are in that similar bucket, yeah. just a different kind of collaboration level. So from that perspective, is that a good entry role into cybersecurity in your? I guess it, it really would depend, but I think it's 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 it depends because I think my entry level role was entry level enough for me. I I don't think I would have you know thrived well enough going directly into a SOC analyst role because like it definitely requires some level of knowledge and experience in certain areas of cybersecurity. But I th I still think it's a it's a it's a good entry level role if you do find one that's gonna take. Is there like a high bar to get into this kind of role? It, it depends on the organization. So if you're like in an organization that requires a lot of like skills as a SOC analyst. So for example, if you're going to be doing like you know analyzing logs, maybe doing incident response. Or 
or doing digital forensics, there might be a higher level of uh, a higher barrier of entry. But if you're just essentially just like monitoring and just doing basic analysis, there might be a lower barrier of entry. So it really depends on the organization, what the organization requires and you know what the team requires of the person. What, what are some of the skills that you reckon can make a threat analyst or a SOC analyst successful? Like what kind of skills you would expect them to have for them to have a successful role? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the, the first, the basis of everything is analysis, right? So being able to look at a situation and in this case a threat and being able to determine if this is actually a false positive or true positive if something that is actually going to be actually looking at an event and seeing if it's going to turn into a possibly turn into an incident right so that's the first skill but i think overall there's a lot of like log analysis so you're going to be looking at logs a lot you're going to be looking at what happened and trying to draw a timeline of what happened so being able to analyze logs with like sims maybe splunk curator gray log whatever sim you know you use um, also network analysis depending on the organization some organizations allow you have access to network packet capture so being able to analyze you know network packets you know for different possible possible indicators of compromise is also really going to be important also understanding of antivirus virus on EDRs and looking at things happening on the host and seeing if those things are malicious or, you know, what they could possibly lead to, you know, compromise or there's already been a compromise on the host. And then uh, email header analysis, like phishing analysis, because uh, you're going to be analyzing a lot of emails a lot of times because um, that's a really major aspect of, that's a really, that's a, a major security issue because there are a lot of emails going on all the time and people are getting phished all the time. So being able to analyze email headers for potential, for, for malicious activity is going to be really, really important. But I think that's like a, a entry-level baseline. So having an understanding of log analysis, SIMs, EDRs, antivirus, and email analysis is, 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 is I think, the, the bare minimum of, of skills for that entry-level kind of SOC analyst or third analyst. You might want to clarify what an EDR is because a lot of people who are starting off in cybersecurity would not even know what an EDR is. What is an EDR? Yeah. So EDR stands for Endpoint Detection and Response. So essentially what EDRs do is they, like agents installed on different endpoints, different um, hosts. So it could be a server, it could be a, a normal device or laptop that you use for work. So you might have an EDR agent on that. And me as a SOC analyst or threat analyst, I can essentially see things that are ha happening on, on the host. So in terms of like detection and response, the EDR detects and possibly responds to potential threats on that host. So for example, if a user downloads, let's say a malicious file and that file, you know, starts a process that's, that's malicious, maybe some kind of like, kind of malicious, whatever it is, right? The EDR detects that, right? So it sees, okay, the user downloaded this file and it's upon this process and it can take the the it can take the decision to either maybe block the process or to allow the process or to terminate the process so that's kind of like a base level definition of what an EDR does and it's a little different from an antivirus but it, it it's it has a little bit of similarities with the antivirus right as an entry level SOC person and you kind of like touched on a few things that they can expect as day one job where you could be working in a seam like a splunk or you could be looking at analyzing logs so it sounds like it's a very specific kind of person who probably looks at attention detail, but doesn't really mind mining through a mountain of logs to find that threat for the organization. What would you say would be some of the responsibilities they can expect to have as an entry-level SOC? Uh, so like I say, like it's usually the first line of defense. So you're essentially looking out for, because you, you usually have like your SIM on your, or your SOAR device or your SOAR software going to be giving you all of these alerts because based off of detections, right? So there are specific rules set. So if the, if the rule, if it is matched, you'll get an alert based off of that. So you started analyzing those alerts. So I say base level is, you know, pretty much like monitoring for those alerts. And then when you get those alerts and then you start, you, you analyze for them and see, you analyze the alerts and see if, you know, they're, 
they're just you know basic events that just like triggered on the device or if this is something that is malicious that could potentially turn into an incident and you know could escalate beyond that i've got a question from tom here would a sock analyst be digesting real-time logs or historic i guess the digesting part of it it falls on falls on the hands of the engineer so like it's their role to kind of normalize the logs aggregate the logs do all of that but the 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 role of the analyst is to analyze the logs so i guess digesting that digesting if it, if it means like transferring or like you know doing the working how the logs are you know being aggregated or normalized that's usually the work of the of other than an analyst all right so there's an engineer before probably a bit more seniority they're the ones who are configuring the logs for you and yes. there's a process of that the the analyst is basically hunting for threats within those logs that's been configured yes. so the engineer may choose to give you historic logs uh because you're probably responding to an incident which is already yeah. or you could be looking at live logs yes so yeah the engineer's um, job is like the configuration the like how the, the the passage of how the logs are coming from all the different devices um setting like different thresholds so like if 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 um, let's say like that we need to know when a user has had 25 failed login attempts in a certain time, a certain amount of time. So the engineer's job is to go into the system and create that, you know, whatever code it is or whatever configuration it is that will fire off that alert that will, that we as threat analysts or SOC analysts will start analyzing. So that's, you know, really what they do. I think that's an interesting point. An engineer decides which application kind of is coming in and you, at, at any given point in time, the logs you get looking at could be from any application, right? It could be yeah. one, I'm just making it up, but one could be from Facebook, one could be from LinkedIn, one could be from YouTube, and they may have their own languages or is it easy to kind of like differentiate uh, or what is, does threat have a pattern? So the logs are usually from the different hosts or from the different devices. So from the servers, from the firewalls, from the IDSs, from the from the hosts, all of that. So like, that's where the logs come from. So based off of those logs, those logs can then contain if a user is probably visiting Facebook or user is visiting LinkedIn or the logs could contain authentication if the user is access is is logging into their device or is logging into maybe like like a, a tool they use for work. So the main the main the actual logs are coming from the devices. So logs usually have different different segments. So for Splunk, for example, it's usually the index, the source type, and I believe the host. I think those are, those are the three main things. So the host, all of the logs of activity going on, you know, what the user is doing. So if the user is logging into their device or logging like authentication to a domain controller, or maybe signing into their cloud account or accessing Facebook or downloading a file, all of those things are the logs on the host, which are also part of the logs that, you know, Splunk or whatever tool you're using is going to aggregate. So it's usually the host logs and those host logs contain all of the other activities to maybe LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever website the user is. Are there any certs? Because I imagine there are people over here who may have little or no experience in IT, maybe still in uni or sophomore year as well. What are some of the options to get into a SOC analyst kind of a role? Like, is there internships or do you go straight jump into a SOC analyst? So like, there are different ways. I mean, I got I started my career as an intern and I think my internship kind of gave me a really baseline, like a really great entry into security. So as an intern, I was essentially just on a daily basis, like 70 to 90% of what I was doing was just analyzing emails, like analyzing emails. Like I could, in a day, I could put, I could analyze like 40, 50, 60 and more emails every single day. So that wow. really got me like into the, I guess, into the mindset of analyzing stuff. So like, so I would analyze emails and then do a little bit of like 
I would say I wouldn't really call it engineering, but since I was working in-house, I was working in the organization, not like being outsourced. I was able to like make decisions about like writing rules that, you know, determine like flow of traffic, maybe like firewall rules or email flow rules and different things. So I'll say like that, that gave me a really, really good entry, you know, like the skills that I needed, the basic of the skills that I needed. But I'll say like graduating into my second role, which was a stock analyst role, I started learning more about Sims because that's, you know, usually a huge chunk of what you're doing. You're usually on the glass looking at the Sims. So I started learning about Splunk and learning about like a bunch of other other, other things. So I was mainly focused on Splunk because I, I specifically wanted to work in a Splunk environment. So I'll say find a way to, to learn a Sim, right? It, you don't have to like, you know, expensive course or like, you know, do anything outrageous. Splunk has a free fundamentals one course, which you can take for, for free. And if you want to get the certification, this is like a little over a hundred dollars, but learn how to use a, a Sim. You can they have a free license that you can, you know, download a Splunk virtual machine into your into a, a VMware or VirtualBox and start learning how to use a sim. That's that's one skill that's really important. And I'll say like in terms of certifications, before I get into like actual skills and, and tools, I'll say in terms of certifications, I think having a foundational and like basic understanding of networking is really important. I think a lot of people over overlook that. And I think a great way to have that those like fundamental networking skills are through the CompTIA Network Plus. I think it covers like the basics of networking that you need for security, right? Uh, so people go to the CCNA, that's, you know, your choice. But I think personally, the CompTIA covers the basics of networking you need. So understanding like your protocols, understanding ports and how all of them work, how they could potentially be exploited is just really, really important before they're moving on into the security aspect. So for the basics of security, you know, your Security Plus. So Security Plus gives you a really, really wide overview of how security works, you know, different tools to different processes. It's really, really, really wide. So having that overview like that over oversight of security through security plus is you know the next stage of that then i think after the security plus it, it, it's like left to the individual because you like to over recommend certifications especially in terms of like getting into the first rule because people just go and get certifications and certifications and certifications and don't really um have practical knowledge to show like the skills they have or the skills that are applicable for the job so i think once you get the member plus of security plus before getting into more certifications labs are really really important so like finding a way to learn about the things you're going to be doing at, at your job as an analyst or suck analyst is the next thing you want to do you know once again learn about about sims learning about maybe like vulnerability scanning just like doing labs to show you know that you have the knowledge of this is going to be important because although labs don't necessarily always translate to exactly what you see in the real life it still shows that you have some basic knowledge to do the basics of the job, which, you know, someone else can can train you off from that. They can build off of the basic skills you have. So finding lives to like, you know, learn those skills is going to be important. And then from there on, you can start getting into, you can start building your skills in other areas. You can get more certifications, maybe like CYC plus, you can learn maybe offensive stuff through like the EJPT. You know, if you're up for it, you can go for like offensive security certifications or like the other e-learning security. But I think starting off like your first three, six months should be focusing on the basics of networking and security. So like Network Plus, Security Plus, and then, you know, labbing, labbing your way and then doing projects and just labs, 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 and networking as well. So yeah, it's so much it's so much that covers, you know, getting that first role. So uh, if I were to summarize, Network yes. Plus gives you that networking background. Security mm -hmm. Plus gives you that overall security background. Then start building your lab, some kind of a Splunk, a fundamental certificate. 
Because is there like a free trial version they can use to build a lab to analyze logs? I mean, what do you recommend for building your own lab? Because that's in itself is a big topic because it could be a pen testing lab. It could be a networking lab. Like what kind of lab are, are, are folks? So like I, I, I personally have like my own lab that I, I actually, in my YouTube, I have a whole playlist of how I buy my whole lab. So for example, like for Splunk, Splunk gives you a, a free license for, I think, 30 or 60 days. But if you apply for a developer's license, I think it's uh, it's it lasts a lot longer than that. So definitely like, you know, go do your research about that. But I have a, a, a playlist where I have like a full, like a full, a full on lab that is like specifically designed for, for detection, which I'm, I'm still going to be improving on. But I think the, the main, the, the main aspects of the lab are Splunk, Security Onion, PSS Firewall, and then some um, host machines, some Windows machines, and then on the other side, I have like a Kali Linux machine. So that's like a base level lab, but you can always like design a lab based off of what you want to learn. You don't have to, you know, design it according to like, you know, what you see online. If, if there's something specific you want to learn, just build a lab around it. Like a lot of tools are open source. And if you can't find an open source, you can find an alternative of the tool that you can use to learn about that tool. So yeah, there, there are different ways you could go about a lab. Interesting. And uh, a lot of times I get asked a question about, do you have to be a technical person to be in a... Yes, you, you definitely have to be like, you definitely have to understand, you know, you have to be technical enough to like, you know, see something and, you know, know what is what exactly is going on. So like, if you see, yeah, you, you have to be technical, like re regardless, like you have to understand like authentication, you have to understand networking, you have to understand like a, a bunch of things. So yeah, definitely have to be. I think that's where kind of your early recommendation about network plus and security plus that kind of helps build because i'm thinking about people who are coming from a non-technology background and they want to transfer onto cyber security like those sound like great certificates to kind of start building the foundational pieces for networking then your security foundation and then getting into a lab we've been talking about seam what's the easiest way to explain what a seam is to people who may not even know what that is so same as like security information and event management i think yeah that's what it is so what a sim essentially does is it aggregates aggregates normalizes and it's like a central a central a, centra, a central point for all of your logs right so in an organization you might have like thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds hundreds of thousands of, of hosts or servers or devices and having the oversight having being able to like you know analyze what is going on on those different devices could be really really hard right it, it'll be if, if something happened it'll be hard to like just like you know immediately go to that device and start looking at the logs that are in that device so like the sim essentially aggregates all of the logs from all of those devices into one central point and gives you, you know, different kinds of correlation abilities. So like, for example, like you might see like communication between this device and this device, you know, what's happening, how long it took. So it's, it's essentially like a, it's a, 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 a collection of all, it helps you collect all of the logs that are going on in, you know, in your organization and all of your devices and all of that. So it's, yeah, it gives you really, really, it gives you that oversight in just one specific area rather than having to like go into like each device, you know, every single time, which you can still do if you need to. I think with the, the 50 odd people that are listening right now, now they've heard about certificates, but are there any soft skills as well that require, I know we, we touched on the fact that you definitely need to be technical. You definitely have a certificate path that you can go through. What kind of soft skills are required for this kind of? Yeah, there are definitely important soft skills. I think the, the two important ones are communication and documentation. So communication in terms of like the fact that 
you're going to be interfacing with, they're going to be communicating with different people. So uh, if you're in a SOC, you might be communicating with your teammates, you might be communicating with your manager, you might be communicating with other teams, uh, other security teams or other non-security teams that are like IT team or networking team, depending on like what your role is. So you're going to be communicating with different people. You could be communicating with users. Users are not even technical. So being able to, to communicate properly with each person you're dealing with, you know, having, using the right terminologies and properly communicating with them. For example, if you're communicating with a user about like, you know, like when I was working as a, as an intern, I had to be, I had to communicate with users sometimes about, oh, this is what you did wrong. Like, you know, when you saw this email link, you should have known that this was definitely malicious. And when you clicked it, you should have seen that this is definitely not from Microsoft. So being able to like communicate with a user like that, or maybe communicating with your teammate, like, you know, about whatever it is you're working on or communicating with a non, a, a, a non-security staff, maybe like the, the network administrator or maybe the server administrator, right? Like if you're having to communicate with them about, hey, we, we need we need to be able to, you know, this this capability on this server, or we need to be able to we need we need to make these changes on on this server so that we can have so 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 capabilities. You know, being able to communicate with them properly, either technically or normally, however it is. Also being able to communicate with management. So depending on whatever level of you are in the SOC, being able to like communicate to management, maybe the needs or maybe giving them a, a better understanding of what their expectations expectations should be of the stock analyst is also going to be important. So being able to properly communicate based on the situation you are is going to be really important. Also, as a stock analyst, you might be into incident response. So if, for example, if your company gets breached or the company you're working with gets breached, being able to properly communicate a stress situation is also going to be really, really important because, you know, you're, you're supposed to be pacifying those people. So if you're the kind of person that's going to like, you know, get them more anxious, especially if they're just, if they just like are going through a security breach, you know, that, 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 that might be, that might be bad for them. So being able to properly communicate in that situation is going to be important. Then documentation, this comes in different ways. So like being like when, you, when, after your analysis is based off of where you are, it's important to kind of show what you did that got that you know that what you what you did during your analysis and giving it enough information for somebody to look at it maybe later on and understand what just to protect yourself and to protect you know the organization because if you analyze something as say like a a false positive and it turns out to be a true positive if you're if your documentation or your notes do not show enough information to kind of determine how you got to where you are potentially be an issue for you also like having documentation like based of your organization there might be tools or processes or different things that need to have documentation so that you can easily use that for yourself or for a newer analyst or to show management or to show anybody that needs to see that the documentation having those skills to properly document stuff is really really good and important as well I, that I, I can definitely tell you documentation doesn't stop even at the soft continues even at the leadership level as well so great skill, man. Thanks for sharing that as well. From an interview perspective, I know we touched on the whole certificates. We touched on like what kind of skills we required. Building a lab, are, are those kind of things helpful in an interview to kind of help stand out from all the other candidates who may be applying for the job? What's something extra that they could, they could be doing to stand out? Because nowadays it sounds like there's a lot of competition to get into uh, any even a job interview these days. Yes. So every Everything, 1,000%. You need to do everything. Because... Like there's, like you said, there's a lot of competition, right? So like if, for example, like you have just like the security plug and let's say no, because let's, 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 let's put a scenario as, you know, every, every single person is applying for an entry level stock analyst role, right? They don't have any previous experience. Let's say probably have bachelor's degree in whatever cybersecurity or non cybersecurity, no previous experience, right? But every single person has a security plus. So what exactly makes you different from the other person, right? So it's like, you have to have something 
that separates you from everybody else, right? So if everybody has a security plus, what do you have that's more than security plus? Okay, let's say you have a security plus and a cybersecurity degree, right? Okay, a lot of other people have a security plus and a cybersecurity degree and a bunch of other certifications. What exactly makes you different from those people? Okay, let's say you have a lab, right? You have a lab where you do all of that stuff. Do you document what you did in your lab? Do you have a place to, you know, the different things you've done, let's say like a, like a blog or whatever it is, like you used to document your processes or like your analysis. Like let's say you analyze the packet capture for indicative compromise. Do you have a, you know, something to show how you went through that analysis and you know how you came to the conclusion. Let's see, you have, a lot of people have that as well. Like there's a lot of people that have labs as well. So what, what else makes you different? Do you do CTFs? Do you participate in CTFs, online CTFs? There are different kinds of CTFs that you can participate in. That's that's also great. A lot of people have that as well. What really, th that's those are different things that you can do that can help you get to interview. But I think people should start putting themselves out there more because like, you know, getting the interview, like applying to jobs and everything, that, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a way of approaching like, you know, the interview scenario, trying to get an interview, trying to get your first role. But I think putting yourself out there and showing your skills and your capabilities is, you know, the next stage that you need this, what you need to differentiate differentiate yourself from everybody else, right? Because every, everybody's doing the same thing. It, literally, everybody's putting in the same amount of effort, doing the same certifications, doing the same degrees, even doing the same labs, you know, they're doing, everybody's doing the same thing. But I think putting yourself out there, being, you know, to... The employer, your, your potential employer is really what will set you apart, right? And doing this like as and being visible in a way that shows your true passion, not in a way of like trying to not 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 being fake about it, but being truly passionate about this stuff and making yourself visible. So in terms of visibility, how how do you do that? Like there's LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I I I I've gotten a I want to say a job offer opportunities through Twitter by sharing what I was doing on Twitter. So like sharing what you're doing, like engaging with the community, engaging with people that are in the community, sharing your resources, sharing what you can do a blog through YouTube, showing on LinkedIn is, you know, going to, is most likely going to get you farther, get you an interview rather than just like doing the same thing that everybody's doing. And also everybody's also, you know, sharing their resources on LinkedIn, they're sharing their resources on Twitter. What, what is going to, what, what are you doing to make your difference? You can do everything. You can do the certifications, you can do the degree, you can do the labs, you can do the CTFs, but you always have to think of something that's all that's going to going to make it different and not you know the exact same thing as everybody else because everybody is doing the same thing. So always try to find something that that makes you different from everybody else that makes you different from all of the other candidates. Think about the fact that you know if I'm able to do this, like what can I do differently that makes me stand out, that makes me different from everybody else that has the same skills, the same experience, the same education, the same certifications, the same lab, the same CTF as me. What exactly is it? Is it that makes me different from everybody else? This being Cloud Security Podcast, I'm curious, how much is cloud kind of coming up in your day-to-day? -day? Uh, a, a lot, like a, a whole lot. Like I analyze a lot of cloud logs on a day-to-day -day basis. So having an understanding of, of cloud is definitely going to be important because like these days, like companies are usually having this kind of hybrid environment. So you're definitely going to be analyzing Azure logs or AWS logs or both. So having an understanding of e either side or both sides is going to be really important. So I started my, like as an intern, I worked a lot with, with Azure. So I, I learned a lot about Azure and then moving on to my other roles, I kind of started learning more about AWS as well. So Azure and AWS, you know, like having one is great, but even having both is, is even better. I think once you have a knowledge of one, you can easily adapt to the other one, especially from a security perspective, not like from a cloud engineer perspective, but analyzing the logs that are coming from the cloud provider, you know, it's, it's 
it's mm-hmm. it's having having the baseline knowledge of the of you know the cloud provider maybe like your Azure fundamentals and AWS cloud practitioner enough to understand the logs that are you know flowing in through into your sim from the cloud provider is definitely going to be important. I think Tom just asked the same question. I I just like had the same thing over here as well. Tom's asking, I'm exactly the same example. I'm exactly the example you're speaking of. CyberSec degree, Security Plus, no other experience. Your cloud certification helped in getting a SOC role. Yeah, with or without a cloud certification, you can definitely get a you know a SOC a SOC role. It, it could potentially help if the company is specifically looking for an individual with a cloud certification. But at the same time, a company would still hire you with or without a cloud certif- without a cloud certification. Like when I got my internship, I didn't like when I got my internship, I didn't I barely had any certifications. I only had a CompTIA A plus when I got my my internship. And then when I got my first SOC analyst role, I only had the Azure Fundamentals certification. And so like. Like don't don't overemphasize on the certification, but still still great to have, still great to have. So having an understanding of, of the cloud, it's, if it's something that the the job specifically requires, or if it's something that your your desired role. If you're looking at job descriptions and you're seeing that in your area or like the specific SOC role you're looking for requires some level of cloud understanding, Azure, AWS, GCP, it, it, it would be worth it to eventually get that cloud certification so that you can show that I have at least the basic knowledge of this cloud provider to be able to analyze logs and you know understand basic security concepts from this cloud provider. So yeah, it, it, it really depends. In the spirit of standing out, you mentioned sharing on Twitter kind of helps you at least get opportunities and sort of LinkedIn and YouTube, you have a YouTube channel as well. So I'm curious about the whole personal branding side of things. Like how important would it be for people who are trying to stand out in an interview to have some kind of an online blog or podcast or something on the other, or even a YouTube channel, like the same way you have, would that help them stand out? So it could help you. It's, I think it would help you. I think my YouTube channel has helped me a lot, like in terms of standing out, because like I've been able to share my journey, like from the start, like from when I had no certifications, from when I had just the A plus and I was just doing like labs to how I got my internship to all the certifications I'm doing. And you know, your YouTube channel might not be like showing your journey. It might just be you doing labs or like learning new things. So it, I think having a personal brand definitely helps and, and it helps in different ways i mean a personal brand could you know lead to connections and different things like that but i think just like i said previously like having visibility enough to to show like that you exist and you are a part of the community a part of the cybersecurity world and you know you are whatever kind of content you're putting out there if you're like your if your youtube channel or your blog is just specifically cybersecurity based or just doing labs from wherever maybe try hack me hack the box or whatever it is like it, it, it could definitely help out because i've i've looked at certain like job descriptions and it's like experience from try hack me and hack the boxes i appreciate it right like they literally put it in the job description like if you have experience from try hack me and hack the boxes appreciate it so let's say you've been doing try hack me hack the books this whole time and you have like this amazing like rank or whatever okay that's great but can you like if, if let's say like the recruiter or the because I, I think there's some there are some actual recruiters and hiring managers that actually take the time to look at this stuff like i've actually been in an interview where the hiring manager was looking at my blog and like my my home lab like what i did like he actually pulled up the website and was looking at it and we're having a discussion about it so like if you have like a youtube channel where you've gone through like different hack the box like try hack me and you're going through like let's say you're you're let's say it's like maybe for a penetration testing interview like i don't really know too much about pen testing but i say if for example you're 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 they're able to see that that could, you know, definitely set you apart from everybody else because they can see that you 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 can do this. Like everybody else might, might say, okay, I have these skills, I have this knowledge, I have these certifications, but they really don't have anything to for it. But if you have that and they actually take the time 
to look at that, that could be what could essentially set you apart. So it doesn't hurt to have it. It doesn't hurt to, to do this. And if, if you enjoy it, it's even better because like you're able to do what you love and then put it out there for people to see and to also learn from. So like enjoying it while you're doing it and just like putting it out there, just like, you know, just, just do it. And it's, it's just one extra step, one extra effort to make you different from everybody else. Man, there's so, so much gems in there as well. You touched on a really interesting point because it, as a hiring manager as well, when I'm looking for, I guess, a skill set and resume, if someone has a YouTube channel and, and I'm, I don't think I'm the only exception here, but a lot of people do. Someone who's willing, because to your point, having a YouTube video or a blog or something or the other way, sharing your content and sharing what you're learning, it also shows you how passionate you are about the field as well. You know how a lot of people are like, hey, how, how do you know you're passionate about the field? That's how you know you're passionate mm -hmm. about the field because mm -hmm. you have whatever you do on your day job or whatever you do from a study perspective, but you're still putting the effort to spend time on a blog or a video on YouTube or something or the other. I'm learning this and I'm going to document this so that at least others can see it as well. And to your point, it just could not be from a perspective of, hey, I want to be starting out for a job, but could just be from a perspective. Some people learn better that way as well. And yes. as a hiring manager, I'm looking at that going, oh my God, I can't believe Day does so much. Why, why aren't we hiring him? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I can't speak so much from a hiring manager perspective, but I can speak from an interviewer's perspective about how that has helped me. Like I've been in interview scenarios where like, like I said, like the, the hiring manager, he pulled, he pulled up my, my blog and he was looking at like my lab, uh, my lab configuration on there. And we're having a conversation about that. Like number one, like ha having that, it shows like, you know, you're doing this. And secondly, it, it, it helps you like channel the, in the, the interview to your own favor, because now you're talking about something you, you know how to do. So for example, let's say like I, I was doing like a, like a configuration of like security, right? And the hiring manager likes, likes security onion. And they're talking, talking to me about, oh, how did you configure your security on your machine? What do you do on it? Like, how do you analyze? Like, what, you know, just you're having a conversation about something you are very knowledgeable about because you've done it. And you're also like steering the, the interview in a direction that is going to be favorable to you because you're talking about something that you know. So like, it sounds like, I mean, the best at security onion, it sounds like you, you know what you're saying. So it just, it, it makes your chances better. And it's just an overall better. So I, yeah, it's, I recommend it. I recommend it, especially like if you truly have the passion, because it could be, do, I mean, people, some people do certain things, you know, for show and get, you know, found out and get caught, like if that's the way, but if you truly have a, a passion for it and you're actually putting this out there because you enjoy it, you, 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 like people can hear it in your voice when you truly like something and are truly passionate about it. And it just makes a difference for you. So it just boils, that, boils down to the point of what exactly is it that makes you different from everybody else that, you know, sets you apart from the competition. That's pretty awesome. From an interview perspective, that's most of the questions that I had. Uh, and I think we've answered most of the questions that came in as well, but I'll definitely encourage people to kind of reach out to you and check out your YouTube video as well. I mean, this is kind of like the last section of the podcast and this is kind of like fun questions. I've got three fun questions for you, which are non-technical, just to get to know a day a bit more outside of the, the amazing SOC analyst YouTube. So first question being, what do you spend most time on when you're not working on, say, technology or SOC? I recently started going to the gym, so I've been spending a lot of time in the gym. Oh, yeah. Next time I see you, are you going to be like broad chest, biceps and guns and everything? You bet, man. You bet. Uh, yeah. Next question. What is something that you're proud of, but is not on your social media? My proudest moments are, have really come from like my cybersecurity achievements because of like how much time and energy and effort I've put into it. So, and all of that is on my social media. So like, I, I, yeah, that's what I can point to. And the last question, what's your favorite cuisine or restaurant? Yeah, so I'm Nigerian, so I eat a lot of Nigerian food. So like, Anywhere there's like good Nigerian food, yeah, that that would be my favorite place. I mean, I don't have like specific preference. If the food is good and it's Nigerian and I enjoy it, I'm I'm, I'm with it. What's your go-to Nigerian dish? I always go for a fried rice and a fried stew. It's it's awesome with all the assorted oh. meat. 
Yeah, that's, oh, that's my... I didn't get the recipe from someone then or YouTube. We have actually, we do have a massive Ethiopian population. Mm -hmm. I, I believe Kenyan population as well. I need to find out about Nigerian population, right? Nigerian restaurants. But thanks so much for coming in, man. I, I do appreciate this. And I, lo I love knowing a bit more about you as well. Oh, where can people find you who want to connect with you and probably get to know a bit more about a day and maybe they may have a specific question about SOC and they might want to reach out to you directly about where can they connect with you? So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. So I've, I believe my LinkedIn is, you know, attached to, you should have a LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn and um, my YouTube is Day Cyberwalk. So Day, D-A-Y, Cyber, C-Y-B-R-W-O-X, one single word. And you can also find me on Twitter at Day Cyberworks as well. I I recently deactivated my Instagram, taking a, a break from that. So you can also also find me on instagram at day cyberworks but you probably wouldn't find me right now so yeah as you can find me on there my youtube channel as well also we can go to www.cyberworksacademy.com that's my website i have tons of resources on there and i have a link to my discord server on there so definitely i'm always on the discord server you can like if you want to if you actually want to reach me like right now just help on the discord server and ask me a question on the discord server like i'm, I'm going to answer you like 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 right now so yeah <laughs> and then i also my cyberworks academy also has a youtube channel cyberworks academy so definitely check that out so that's yeah that's that's all of the places where you can find me. Can you tell us a bit about the Cyberworks Academy as well for people who don't know? So Cyberworks Academy is essentially, like, basically it's everything that I did not have when I was trying to get into cybersecurity. So, like, my goal with Cyberworks Cyber Academy, which I'm still kind of building right now, is to have, like, a resource hub and a community for people who are trying to make it cybersecurity, especially, like, people without experience, like, college students. Because, you know, I broke into cybersecurity at, like, I was barely, I was just right about finishing my freshman year of college. I want to have, like, a resource hub and a community where I can provide all of the resources that I didn't have for everybody that's trying to break cybersecurity, most especially college students, but also everyone else, you know, whether you're transitioning from another field or you're you know kind of already in the field or trying to move around like my goal is just to have a resource hub where everybody can find all the resources they need and also have a community of um, people that are like-minded so that's you know the goal of cyber academy we're still building it up we're about 800 and something members in the discord there's a lot of plans i have for it but you know still in developmental stages but i'll definitely be happy to have anyone on there i'm always um, willing to help so definitely join us awesome i'll definitely recommend people check that out as well and uh, that's all we had time for today but thanks so much for your time day i really appreciate this and i think i'm looking for the jacked up version of the day next time I, I have you on the show man thanks so much for having me i appreciate it no problem man no problem thanks so much and for everyone else i'll, I'll see you all on my next episode next which is this weekend on sunday we're talking about application security analyst and application security engineer how to become one i'll see you then but for until until next time Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.